2020 is right up on us. And what I know for sure is that my productivity level has to increase if I expect to achieve the things that I truly want to achieve in life. And today I have the right guest who can help us with our productivity and our intentionality. And he's also going to share how waking up early is going to help us get things done that we truly want to get done as we embark upon a new decade. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Brand with Mark Keith Brayton. As you know, I'm always excited that you join me each and every week right here on your favorite podcast app. And this week, we have a special guest. As you know, I've been doing some solo shows the past few weeks. But this week, we have someone whom I met some time ago in a podcasting group that I participate in here in Nashville. And I have been telling him that I wanted to have him on the podcast. And I finally got him on the podcast this week. Our guest today, Jeff Sanders, is a keynote speaker productivity coach, and the author of The 5 A.M. Miracle, The Free Time Formula, and founder of the Rockin' Productivity Academy. Jeff is also host of The 5 A.M. Podcast, which has ranked number one in Apple Podcasts in the self-improvement and business categories, been nominated for six podcast awards, and exceeded eight million downloads. He is a plant-based marathon runner and personal development junkie. Every week, you can find Jeff writing and speaking at jeffsanders.com. And so without prolonging the introduction, let's just go ahead and welcome Jeff to the Maximize Your Brand podcast. Welcome, Jeff. Well, thank you, Marquis. I'm excited to be here today. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I gave a brief introduction of who you are, but why don't you give us a little bit more detail and maybe share a little bit about yourself that most people probably wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, most people probably wouldn't know a lot of things about me. I do share a lot about myself on my podcast, though, so my life story is an open book most of the time. Um, but essentially, I kind of do what I do with my brand, mostly because I got really excited about personal developments right when I graduated college. And uh, one thing people probably don't know is that I wrote a book that never got published called Graduated and Clueless. So it was the first thing that I did right after college was I was lost, confused, had no idea what I was doing. And so I wrote a book to try to help me figure out my own life, uh, which then led me on a whole path of personal growth, discovering podcasting, discovering books, blogs, documentaries, everything that led me to ultimately deciding I want to do a business like that. I want to create a brand and do all of these fun things, coaching and speaking and writing books and all of that, which is now what I do. And so it really just started off with me asking a lot of questions. And that's what led me to kind of where I am today. Awesome. Awesome. Kind of similar to my own uh, personal story, which is why I wanted to kind of have you on because, you know, a lot of times I run into individuals who are maybe working in corporate America and have great ideas and visions for themselves to, you know, possibly do their own thing as well. Maybe that's becoming an author, consultant, 
coach speaker, and many of them do not have the, you know, ABCs of how to make that happen, which is why I got into the business myself. So tell us a little bit about, you know, why was it important for you to kind of take that step and, you know, becoming an author and starting uh, your speaking career and doing some consulting? Well, I think ultimately it started because I just didn't like being an employee. Uh, that was just kind of an obvious thing to me that I was working in these jobs after college and I just, I didn't like the nine to five thing. And I knew that, but I also had no idea what to do with that feeling besides just look into other options. And that's where I discovered podcasting. Initially, I was listening to shows, you know, before like on the way to work and during my lunch breaks and like just consuming a lot of content. And by consuming all that knowledge, I was learning little bits and pieces about what people were doing, how they were doing it, what my options could be. And so for me, it was just like, let's just dig into that world and start something. So I started a couple of websites and a couple of blogs, and then I killed them off and added some more and then eventually morphed that into what is now jeffsanders.com. But that took years to get to lots of tinkering, experimentation, blogging, podcasting. And then eventually I was asked to write a book. And so I did that. And it just I would just want to try everything. And so I think the real core of kind of everything I'm doing is based in curiosity. It was just asking those questions like what's possible for me? What could I explore? What could I try? And being willing to fail along the way, but just learning from all of those experiences to figure out what's a good fit for me? What do I like doing? What am I good at doing? Uh, what do people respond to mostly? Uh, which is, I think, and why now podcasting for me has become a really core aspect of my brand because that's resonated with my audience more so than other things I've done. So I, I lean into that and do more of it. And so I feel like once you kind of figure out your own little niche and what you're good at, and what you enjoy doing, you can figure out your path pretty fast from there. And that's great, great to hear. One of the things that you said uh, as you were sharing, you know, how you got to this point was really, you know, learning more about yourself. I always tell individuals that, you know, that self-awareness is very important when it comes to branding yourself and entrepreneurship. You know, so what are some of the things that you did in order to become more self-aware about how you were going to move forward as an entrepreneur, how you were going to really leverage your skills uh, as a business so that you could be successful? Well, the self-awareness piece for me, I really kind of give a lot of credit to reading books because that was where I began to figure out, well, if this guy is doing this and this girl's doing this and these things are successful for them, and I would write down like, well, this resonates with me. I like this aspect of what they're doing. And I could piece together, you know, oh, this, this works well, this does not, this is what I'm drawn to, this is what I don't really care about. And so I began to kind of put together in some level, like, here's who I think I could become really based on me copying other people. I got, that was where I kind of identified mostly with like, if I could you know, see myself on a stage giving a speech like this guy's doing, well, then maybe that says something about who I am and what I want and what I'm good at. You know, I have a, a degree in theater and psychology from college. And so I spent a lot of time on stage doing a lot of acting and performing, but I knew I didn't want to be an actor professionally. So I was like, well, what do I do with that kind of that part of me? And then when I discovered podcasting, I was like, oh, wait, I could do that. And then public speaking kind of fits in with that too. And so I was able to piece together more about like my natural kind of interests and strengths with what opportunities I could see available and that others were doing well. And then when those things were kind of connected, all of a sudden I had a sense of here's how I could build my own brand and business based upon those kind of aspects. 
Right. I remember hearing uh, not too long ago someone talk about their business and they simply just said, don't try to reinvent the wheel, but become a modeler. Become someone who models yourself after someone who's doing something that you have a desire to do in a successful way. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to even create something new. You could just identify a space or a person who's doing something that you really want to do and, you know, put your own twist to it. And so you are imitating or modeling after someone. And, and that's what you were saying was that you, you know, you identified pockets of opportunity and individuals, whether that be through books or through courses or through, you know, audio books, what have you, and learned from others and just kind of modeled yourself from them. Now, were there any types of exercises that you engaged in order to kind of hone in on, okay, well, what are truly the things that come natural to me, but maybe hard to other people? What are those skills that are innately my skills that I knew that I could leverage uh, for a business? Any type of exercises that you went through before you really kind of got started? I would say the best thing besides reading was writing. So in that sense, blogging for me was a really important activity to identify more about who I was and what I wanted to do. And so I spent probably two or three years writing about five blog posts a week. And so my intention there was just to write a lot. So I was reading a lot in the, in the evenings and I'd write a lot during the day. And I was trying to, in a sense, like consume a lot of content and then spill my own thoughts out into paper. And the more of that that I did, the more I became aware of what I enjoyed, what I was drawn to, and I found my voice. Like that, that to me was a really important aspect of that whole process was discovering what I wanted to speak about, what I wanted to share, what my business could look like in the future. And that's what led me to podcasting was because of blog posts that I had written about personal experiments I'd done and things I had tried and things I enjoyed. And I kind of just stumbled upon this like early morning thing. I thought, well, there's something to that. That could be a brand, that could be a podcast. And so I just kind of leaned into that and made it a thing. But it, it really started, I guess the exercise aspect to me was the daily work of saying, I'm gonna read a lot and write a lot. And the more of those two things that I did, the more confident I became with my own brand and how I wanted to over time develop that. That's good, that's good. And so let's talk a little bit about podcasting. You and I both use podcasting as a part of our a business model. And let's talk a little bit about how has podcasting uh, helped you in your business and help you to uh, really make your brand more visible? My podcast is my number one asset in the business. It is by far the thing that attracts the most people. It is directly led to two book deals. It has led to multiple speaking engagements, coaching clients, online courses, the number one thing people talk about when they discuss me or my business is the show. Like it is by far the thing that gets the most attention. And I didn't really know that'd be a thing, but I knew that I wanted to be a podcaster. And I knew that if I was going to start a show and leverage it for my business, that I wanted to take it seriously and do a professional job at it and make it a thing, which is why I've got fancy equipment. It's why I've got, you know, all this energy put into it because I knew that if I took it seriously, the odds of it being successful were much higher. And so for me, once I started, it was just a no-brainer. This is going to keep going. This is a thing I love. I'm, I'm, I think I'm good at it. I think I have a voice for it. For it. It's like, let's just lean into it and make it something. And so from there, p 
people resonated with the content. They enjoyed, you know, hearing from me. And then from there, I was able to kind of leverage what the show's content was and piece that out into other things, whether it was coaching, speaking, books, courses, like all of those things kind of ultimately began in the podcast in some form and then grew from there. So in my mind, a podcast is an absolutely essential element to any good online brand. I don't think that everyone necessarily has to have a show, but if you do, like, I just think that you have a huge advantage that others don't. Right, right. And so you have a podcast that is uh, named after your book, The 5 A.M. Miracle, as well as your 5 A.M. Miracle podcast. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, how did you come up with uh, the title of that book and then turn around and, and also make that the name of your podcast? Well, it's actually the opposite order. The podcast okay. launched and then the book came out two years later. So it was kind of ironic for me because I knew at the time I launched the show that I wanted to be an author, like a published author, but I didn't have a plan for what that would be. And in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I could turn this podcast and the content there into a book. And then a publisher emailed me out of the blue and said, hey, do you want to do a book with us? I'm like, well, of course I do. So I said yes to that. And I pitched them the idea to use the 5A Miracle name for the book also because I wanted there to be kind of that companion piece, the connection there. So anyone who found the 5A Miracle name, whether it's the book or the show, would then find the other thing and have more content to draw from. So once I decided upon the name of the book, they was just trying to figure out, well, how can I kind of craft a very specific message? And at the time I wrote the book, I didn't really have a good, like solid sense of what my brand was. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of creating random content, things I enjoyed, but there was no real cohesive like system to tie it all together. So the book was my chance to do that. I think that that goes kind of back to the idea of blogging a lot. The, as I crafted the book, I was able to craft my message with a lot more clarity. And then from there, I could say, this is my brand. This is my business. This is who I am and what I do with a lot more confidence. And I've, I've leveraged that ever since. And that was four years ago now. So everything I've done since then, some way is tied back to the launch of the show and then eventually the launch of the book a few years later. And that's, I think that companion piece there is, is really awesome. Awesome. So do you still blog as much or do you leverage the podcast uh, as your blog? I actually stopped blogging completely about three years ago because I realized that the podcast is getting a lot more attention and I wanted the podcast to be my main effort. Uh, not that blogging is, is dead or that I couldn't blog again. I just, as far as time management and like how to leverage the things that get the most you know value for my time, it just made sense to say, I'm going to lean on the things that are getting the most value for me and my business. So in that sense, blogging is, is no longer a thing for me. Awesome. 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 So when we, we look at podcasting, and I think this is just a great conversation because I help so many people with podcasting and really wanting to, you know, start more of a movement and, and, and teaching people how, whether you're an entrepreneur or a career professional, how podcasting tremendously can help you with your personal brand and really help you to become more visible around your particular niche and your particular skill, you know, where should one start if they're thinking about wanting to start a podcast? What are, what are some advice that you would give individuals? I think it goes back to the idea before about copying somebody else, find podcasters that you respect shows that you think are doing a great job. Like find like four or five shows that you really think like resemble, if I were to launch a show, this is what my show would kind of look like and sound like. And, and the kind of content that they, they produce is similar to the kind of content that I would want to produce. And when you find shows to model from, 
that's exactly how I launched mine. I used Michael Hyatt was a good example of a show that I was mimicking from quite a bit. And I would kind of reverse engineer how his, he produced his shows. I was like, okay, he's got this kind of music in the beginning. He's got this kind of content in the middle. He's got this kind of, you know, website design to like leverage the show's content. And so I just studied other podcasters who I thought were doing a great job and just created my own version of what they were doing. And then just added in like, now we'll scratch off Michael Hyatt's name, write in Jeff Sanders name, like just really like make it my own in some way. And then starting from there gave me the chance to say, here's kind of an outline or a skeleton view of what this could be. And then I just filled in the gaps with my own interests and my own content. And the next thing you know, I had a podcast. I feel like that model, it works really well if you don't know where to begin. So you just literally take someone else's great content and make it your own. Now, do you believe or are are we in agreement that just about anyone could pretty much start a podcast around a particular niche or a particular expertise that they have? I mean, the, the best part about podcasting is that it's a totally open source platform. So there are no rules. There's no gatekeepers. There's no one stopping you from doing anything. And so from that perspective, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And I think that that kind of freedom is incredible. And so if you have a message or a voice or something to say, then yeah, get a microphone and start talking to it and just see what happens. Like I think that gives you such power with whatever it is you want to share with the world. And so to that degree, it's like, why wouldn't you? Because the opportunity is there. Right, right. Now, how do you get to 8 million downloads? You know, <laughs> I am, you know, I've been podcasting for about four years now and nowhere close to a million, but uh, I, you know, I keep going and keep doing these interviews because I just <laughs> really enjoy podcasting and it really has helped me uh, with my business. And so how do you get to 8 million downloads of a podcast? Well, I've been podcasting for almost seven years. So okay. there's, some, there's some time built into there. Um, I think a big part of it was what I mentioned earlier about wanting the show to be a professional podcast. When I first started, I knew that there were certain things that made podcasts successful. You know, things like having a nice microphone, things like having really solid content, uh, producing the show on a weekly basis without missing a single week. And I've done that for almost seven years, you know, making sure that I had kind of those, what I thought were core pieces of just, this is how professionals do something. So at the time, I didn't think of myself as a professional. I just knew like, if I can copy that kind of aspect of it, then I can have something that's worth sharing. And so from that perspective, that was my intention was how can I get my message shared more often? Because if you like at the time I launched my podcast to my audience, it was very, very small. Like I had like 100 people subscribe to my blog and that was it. And so what allowed me to then leverage the show early on was being interviewed in other podcasts, kind of like I'm doing now. Um, that's a huge aspect of getting a podcast seen in the world. Um, and then a couple of popular websites actually shared my show on their websites. One in particular was theartofmanliness.com. They had a whole list of like top 20 podcasts for men. And mine was on that list. And my show download numbers just skyrocketed in very early days of the show. And so I, I realized because of that, like that kind of aspect of, of social marketing can play very well with podcasts, um, especially if you're talking to people who already listen to podcasts anyway. So I mean, back to the example, if you're, if you're a guest in other podcasts that are similar to your niche, you're going to find people who want to listen to you also. And so once that connection is made, you can grow your show from there. Um, I will say that podcasting in general is way more competitive now than it's ever been. And it's like going to get more competitive, which to me then says that you have to raise the bar for yourself and your show 
Right. Uh, otherwise, you're going to drown out in the sea of awesome shows that exist. And yeah. so even to stay relevant today requires me to, to keep working really hard to make the show something that's worth listening to going forward. That's great. Great. Staying, staying relevant. Now, did you reach out to individuals to be on their podcast or did they reach out to you as you began to grow? How did that process work? It was both. Um, for the most part, it was me pitching other podcasters and just asking them to be guests, which um, at the time I was doing most of that effort, the first two or three years of the show, that was, I think, a pretty decent way to make things happen. Today, it kind of depends on who you're pitching because people get pitched a lot. You know, like with my show, like I literally get emailed, I mean, four or five times a day, someone asking to be on my podcast. And so I only have like two guests a month. So I can't interview, you know, literally 100 people a month. So it's hard in that sense. It's a competitive way to get yourself onto those shows. But if you don't ask, it's not going to happen. So I think that's just a lesson in, in, in sales, basically, of, of saying, if you want something, you know, make your voice heard, put it out there. And if you have a great podcast that's worth sharing, people will share it and they will tell their friends about it. And so you want to, in that sense, make your show share worthy. And if you do, then it's just going to happen from there. Awesome. Awesome. And so in this first half, uh, my last question on, uh, on this particular topic, just share a little bit, you know, how important is establishing your personal brand? How important is it for you to really hone in on your skill and, and your value to the marketplace so that you can, you know, maybe grow professionally in, in your career or, or begin to grow uh, your small business or a personal brand business that might be digitally based? I mean, my brand is a personal brand to the highest level. I mean, jeffsanders.com is the website. It's like I, I plastered my name on everything. So I think the first part is really leveraging the fact that as a personal brand, like it, it's your name, your face, it is you, like you are the brand. And then the second aspect I think is, is knowing very specifically the value you bring and who you're trying to help. And we, if you can establish that with clarity, then when someone, you meet someone at a conference and they say, Hey, who are you? I say, hi, I'm Jeff. You know, I have a podcast called the 5am miracle and I help high achievers, you know, get a lot done or some, some little one liner or you have that, 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 that marketing pitch to say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is who I help. And when you can know that with confidence, then you meet someone and they're like, Oh, I know who Jeff is. I know what Jeff does. You know, I like Jeff. I want to work with Jeff. Like you're, you're trying to get that kind of a connection formed which is easier once you know yourself and you know what value you're going to bring. And once you have that, it's just, just share it. You just tell the whole world who you are and what you do. And then you attract the people from there that you're, you're like kind of born to work with. And that's kind of how I view personal branding is that you are your own business 24 seven, everywhere you go in public, people see you, you want to embody that image. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm not the best example of a personal branded business, but I think that I have recognized the value in that and try to implement those strategies as best I can across the board. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we've spent the first half of this interview talking about personal branding and the importance of finding your best marketing tool through podcasting, which was our conversation. And so the second half, we're going to kind of get into more personal development and productivity by talking about Jeff's book, The 5 A.M. Miracle. We'll be right back after this commercial break. 
Do you have a message, a story that you really want to get out to individuals because you know it would be helpful to them and really help to transform lives? Or perhaps you have a business that you are desiring to market, but you're really not sure how to best market it. Well, I'm here to let you know that podcasting is one of the best ways to market your business, to get your message out, to amplify your voice, and to become or to be seen as an expert in your niche. And during this episode of Maximize Your Brand with Markeith Braden, I want to offer an opportunity to you to have a conversation with me about how to launch a powerful and profitable podcast, how to launch a powerful and profitable podcast. And all you have to do is go to my website at www.markeithbrayton.com and click on the contact me tab and schedule you a complimentary consultation, a complimentary discovery session, which is a 30 minute conversation with me on how I can best serve and help you with your ideas, with your business, with your podcast, so that you can get your message out, so that you can amplify your voice, and really begin to be seen as an expert and authority in your niche. Go to www.markeithbrayton.com, click on the Contact Me tab, and schedule your complimentary discovery session today. Welcome back to Maximize Your Brand with Marquis Brayton Podcast. And today we are interviewing Jeff Sanders. And we just spent quite some time talking about personal branding and, you know, marketing tools that you can use to really make your brand more visible and be able to attract the clients, customers, and followers that you would like to have for your business. But this half, we want to talk a little bit about Jeff's book, The 5 A.M. Miracle. And just reading the title, I already assumed that it was more about productivity and personal development. I could be wrong, but we're going to let Jeff tell us, you know, what is the 5 a.m. miracle all about? Well, yes, it is about personal developments. It is about early mornings. It is about productivity. And I think that the the tagline of the book, the subtitle, is to dominate your day before breakfast. Mm. And that is essentially the message that I am bringing to the world, which is that if you wake up with intention and you spend your first few hours doing something you really value and care about, your entire day is going to feel so much better. And so the book just breaks down simple steps to structure your time and, and a variety of strategies. And the core you know, content around that is that you know, 5 a.m. Is, is optional, but I, I like the idea of waking up at a time that's a little earlier than the average person. So you have some quiet space in the morning to focus, to do something that you care about. You know, a lot of people who follow the 5 a.m. miracle kind of process, you know, might spend that time in prayer and meditation and yoga and morning exercise or vice versa. They might say, I'm going to wake up and do something that's really important for my business or for my you know, personal goals this morning. And so they'll spend an hour or two with focused time doing something they really care about. And I think that if your day starts with that, then you've got a foundation that you otherwise would not have because the alternative is to wake up and be stressed behind schedule. You feel like the day's already started without you. And so I find so much value in waking up early. And on those days that I do it, which is not every day, but most days, if I wake up at the time I want to, then I get to start my day my way, which gives me such a head start. 
And so the book just breaks down how to make that possible, how to structure your time and how to make sure that you can have that control over your time in a way that you otherwise would not. Good. And so was there something that transpired in your life or uh, some type of challenge or anything that happened that kind of had an awakening to this whole idea of the 5 a.m. miracle? Yes, I was working a full-time job here in Nashville. This is about 10 years ago now. And I had the nine to five job. I had the side business where I was blogging and podcasting. And I also was training for a marathon at the time. And I was trying to figure out how in a given day do I have time to work a full-time job, build a side business and train for a race. That's a lot to do in a single day. And I realized the only way I'll have time for that is if I wake up early and do my run before work to do the training and then go to work and then in the evenings build the business. So I thought I'd try that out one day. So I got out of bed at 5 a.m., went for a run, went to work, did the whole thing. And the next morning, I woke up and did it again. And I was like, that was a phenomenal day yesterday. And today's phenomenal. And like, there's something really magical happening here. And so I wanted to just see what was possible if that kept going. So for a few months, all I did was wake up at 5 and, and do that schedule. And I finished the marathon. And then when it was over, I realized I could still get out of bed at 5 a.m. and do something else with my time. So I began to work in the business at 5 a.m. instead of running. And then that's when the idea for the podcast really kicked in was that there is something really productive happening here. And I want to share the lessons I've learned and the experiences and help somebody else be able to figure out if I can structure my time differently, I'd be able to make those things happen too. So for me, it was just the practicality of saying, if I want to squeeze more into my day, I, I, the only option I really have is to wake up early. Right. So a lot of people are probably thinking 5 a.m., but some people may be saying, hey, I get up at 5 a.m. every morning. And so what are some of the things that you had to do if you weren't accustomed to getting up at 5 a.m.? You know, how did you become accustomed or make that a normal habit? It's hard to do if you just force it. And there's a lot of people that say, like, I'll just set my alarm at 5 a.m. tomorrow and just get up and go. Um, that'll work for about a day or two. And then you're going to crash and be tired and sleep in. And it doesn't really work long-term for most people. So the best way that I know how to do it, and I use this all the time, is I slowly just work my way back to a 5 a.m. wake-up call, which starts that before. So your bedtime is the thing that determines your wake-up time. Okay. So the hardest part is going to bed on time. That's actually more difficult than getting up early because most people can set an alarm and wake up. The hard part is turning off Netflix at night and going to bed. And if you can pull that off and over time go to bed a little bit earlier each night, then you can wake up earlier the next morning. And when those habits are in place, that's kind of step one. The next thing I think that is really helpful for that, though, is when you wake up early, do something that you normally would not do. Because a lot of people don't have time for, you know, I'm going to do 20 minutes of yoga, or I'm going to read this book that I really care about, or some activity that you've been missing out on. Well, use those morning, you know, the morning time, an hour or whatever it is, to do that activity. And then it will reinforce for you, hey, if I wake up early, I get to do that thing I want to do. And then all of a sudden, it reinforces that habit and you want to keep doing it. And so I find a lot of value in that to kind of give myself kind of a prize for saying, I woke up early, therefore I get to have whatever. And that leads to those habits being in place long term. Awesome. Now, you said that, you know, 5 a.m. was the time that you chose. Can it be uh, something different? Can you stay up a little bit later? Can Do you have to get up early or, you know, is this about um, a routine or is this a dogmatic type uh, discipline <laughs> you know, or do you find where it makes what works for you? 
the simple answer is that 5 a.m. is optional. Uh, I only chose that time because it worked well for me when I had the day job. I mean, in my life today, 5 a.m. still happens, but not as often um, because the point of it is to be intentional with your time, right? right? It's not about when you wake up. It's about what you do with the hours you're awake. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, like how can you optimize those hours that you're, that you're awake? I think one of the ways that you do that is you leverage those hours of the day when you're most alert. And so for a lot of people, that kind of that peak time when your circadian rhythms are really working for you, most people, it's early in the morning. And I would say it's between like 7 and 10 a.m. And Mm -hmm. so if that's going to be your peak hours of the day where your brain is most alert, you can think the best, have the most clarity and focus, well, then leverage that time to get your work done. And then if later in the day and, you know, late afternoon or early evening, you're tired and can't really focus, that's fine. The day is basically over anyway, so it's not a big deal. But if you're trying to get your important work done during those times of the day when you're not feeling your best, your productivity is going to be really bad. You're not going to feel as good about it. And it's just, it makes your day feel not nearly as good as it could if you leverage your natural tendencies, which, I mean, if you're a night owl naturally, then leverage the night owl aspect of you and, and stay up late and get your work done. But it's about knowing your body and knowing yourself and of course your responsibilities and time schedules to stick to, but like leverage what you can to take advantage of those times and then your day will be more more productive from there. Yeah, that's that's really good, really good information, you know, because it's all about productivity. And like you said, it's all about intentionality. And so as I think about, you know, what is it that, you know, is most important? And you have to really decide, and once again, the self-awareness, you know, what works best for you. I remember reading an article one time and it said that, you know, most people really only work maybe three to four hours a day on their job. Mm-hmm. The rest of the day is kind of a waste. And so have you found that, not necessarily that it's a waste the rest of the day, but have you found that you get the majority of the work that you need to get done each day within three to four hours? Or, you know, how does your day work now? Yes, I think that that, that, that concept is totally true. I think that the way that I think about my work is, is it falls into two categories. Either it's important work I have to focus on and think about. It's like knowledge work where my brain has to be really active and creative, or it's just kind of the minutia of like running errands and answering emails and the small stuff that doesn't require as, as many brain cells on my part. And so my intention is to say, well, if I can wake up and have a focus block of time where I've got my coffee, I've got my, my office ready, I, I'm, I'm awake and ready to work, I'll put in three or four hours of hardcore time. And then when it's over, well, then the rest of the day, I can kind of just like relax a little bit, do the other stuff as I feel I need to. But the pressure is off at that point because I got the important stuff done early. Uh, there's a great book by Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog. And the whole idea of that is that if you eat a frog first thing in the morning, the rest of your day is going to be easier. Uh, it's just it's kind of a gross analogy, but there's an intention is that if you do the hard work first, you know, not only are you more alert and ready to do it, but then the rest of your day is not nearly as difficult. And so you can feel that sense of pressure being released and then enjoy your time more. And I find that if, I, if you have three or four focused hours and you t- take that, those hours seriously and really lean into it, you'll get way more done in that time than if you just kind of sort of go through your day for eight to 10 hours getting stuff done slower. It doesn't equate to the rhythm of your life and you're, you're going to get less done over time. Right, right, right. And and we want to get as much done as possible, but we don't want to jam pack our day with this, all of these different tasks. And I'm guilty of that, you know, having all these different tasks and, 
you know, wanting to make sure you get all of that done, but really what are the most important things uh, that you know you need to get done? And I like to, you know, think about it as I was taught, IGAs, income generating activities, Mm. really are the most important, especially if you're in business for yourself and it is your primary source of income, which is my next question. So are you still working full-time and still doing the business or now you're just in the business full-time? Five years ago, the company I worked for went bankrupt. And so overnight, I was unemployed and decided at that point, I would just go full time as an entrepreneur. And I'm still here. I haven't gone bankrupt yet. So it's working. Um, Yes, I'm full time as an entrepreneur, but it's a wild ride to work for yourself. Uh, There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And I love the whole thought of an IGA or working on things that make your business money. If that's also one of the filters you can use to prioritize your time and what you put your energy into. So if you wake up at 5 a.m. and spend three hours working on things that make your business money, well, then that's going to give you a huge leg up as opposed to doing what you could do with such an internet-based business. There's a million things you could do that don't make you any money. You could spend all day on Facebook and tinkering your social brand and not get get paid for any of that work. And so Mm -hmm. I think I've done a lot of that in the past. I've spent a lot of time wasted on things that I thought were important that actually are not. And so I think to that degree, it's, yeah, working for yourself is a big challenge. But if you prioritize your time intelligently, you can get a lot of progress done very quickly. And so that's just, that's the the name of the game and the the challenge every day. So having said that, you know, one of the books that I formerly read was Success Principles. And in that book, he talks about, you know, scheduling your day the night before. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of those disciplines that, you've put in place to ensure that you are the most productive during your day? Well, I think one of the things I do is that exact same strategy where I write down, here's what tomorrow's goals are. Like I'll review my calendar, I'll look at my task list and ask myself, so if these are my priorities for tomorrow, how can I optimize that time? And one of the things that I do is batching. So I'll put similar tasks together and make sure that if I'm going to do, for example, doing interviews or podcast work, I'll try and schedule all of those things in the same day or same couple of days So I'm doing all these things back to back to back. So I have like studio time or podcasting days and theme days work really well too. So if your whole day is themed for one activity, that works out really well to guarantee you're going to stay focused on one, you know, one project for that whole day. And I find that that works out really well over time to have your your life scheduled in that way. And there's certain days of the week that I don't take meetings at all to make sure I have, you know, time to think and time to plan. Mm. And so really comes down to knowing like what are the major activities during the week that need to get done and how can I schedule my whole calendar to align to those values. And once that's in place and you have a good rhythm for that, you can repeat that process every week. And then it becomes second nature. And it's not nearly as difficult to make the decision about well, what do I do tomorrow? I was like, well, I already know tomorrow's schedule. It's already set. I don't have to think about it as much. So then the pressure is off. And then you actually get more done because of that. Right. I keep hearing you say that word rhythm. Mm. Rhythm. You know, yes. identifying what your rhythm is. What's the rhythm of your day? What's the, you know, the rhythm of your business? What's the, the rhythm Why do you think you keep bringing that up? Why is rhythm important? I have found over time that all of us work in a rhythm, whether we realize it or not. Um, Those circadian rhythms that our bodies are naturally on, that's part of it. There's a natural ebb and flow that happens. I mean, the sun rises, the sun sets. Like there's a natural rhythm that happens in life every day. And so essentially what you're trying to do is leverage those rhythms. So if if it's time to rest, you rest. If it's time to work, you work. And if you really take advantage of those times well, 
then you're going to get the best benefits from those times. So if you sleep really well, then next morning you wake up and now you're alert and energized and ready to go. And if you get a lot of work done during your work time, then you feel really productive about that time and you can enjoy your time off. And I feel like that once you've established those rhythms and you understand them and you can get into them and, and leverage them, that's when your best benefits show up. Versus if you fight against them, like a good example of that is like in the afternoon slump, people tend to have after lunch, if you're really tired and you're trying to do your most important work during that time, it's just really hard and really frustrating. And you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle and that's just exhausting and doesn't work right. well. And so the intention is to, if, it's like if you're tired in the afternoon, take a nap. You know, if you can, like do whatever it, it would do to like to leverage that time. And then you have those benefits from there. That's good. That's good. So if we could, three tips, three tips for that person who says, I definitely want to be more productive in my day. I definitely want to be more intentional with uh, the task and assignments that I know that I need to complete. You know, what are three things that you could offer uh, to that individual to help them with their uh, productivity and intentionality? Great question. I think the best thing I would start with, I mean, a 5A miracle, of course, is an option. Um, if you decide how tomorrow morning is going to look, like write down on paper what tomorrow morning could be and be very intentional with how that time will be structured. I think that's really important to begin your day off correctly and to have that kind of that beginning of the day set. Uh, second thing is to utilize focus blocks of time. That's a strategy. I call them F-bots, like my acronym for that. And what I mean by that is a legitimate 100% focus block. There's zero distractions. So both of my books that I've published, I wrote them in a library here in Nashville where I was hiding from everybody else in the world. I would turn my phone off or leave it in the car. No one knew I was there. I spent four to five hours just writing. And it's incredible how much you can write in four hours if that's all you're doing. Uh, the hard part for most people is to get work done while also looking at Facebook and calling their friends and texting somebody. And then all of a sudden, nothing is getting done. And so you're, the goal is to have a focus block where you're literally just doing one thing. And when that happens, like you get a lot done. Um, third tip, and this is one for me that's been huge for a long time, is to prioritize exercise and your health. Mm. And I say that because especially as an entrepreneur, someone who wants to be a high achiever or get a lot done, you're never going to get a lot done if you're sick and tired and out of shape. Like it just, it works against you in so many ways. And so if you want to be your best, like you need to be physically fit or at least be with it enough to say like, I've got enough health working for me that I can then plow through my day effectively. But if you find yourself getting really tired or you can't get through your day, there's a pretty good chance you're not getting good sleep. You're not working out enough. You're not eating right. And I find that if the health is in place, then the business is also in place. And so it starts with the health though. That has to be, has to be there. And if it is, you're, you're good to go from there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to ask you a couple of what I like to consider fire round questions just to kind of mm -hmm. get to know you a little bit more before we close out the podcast. And so what is one of your favorite books? Got a lot of favorite books. Um, <laughs> off the top of my head, uh, there's actually a book, speaking of health, called Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Karnazes. He was a guest on my podcast a few years ago. He's one of the most well-known runners in the world because he has done crazy, crazy events where he has run 200 miles at a single time and run on every continent in the world. And I didn't read the book because he was an awesome runner. I read the book initially because I was just curious about this guy's life story because I'd heard a lot of crazy things. And one thing I got out of the book besides that running is awesome 
was that ambitious goals can be achieved. So if you mm. set your sights really high, it's amazing what can be accomplished. And so for me, I use that book as a really shining example of, you know, what else could I do in my life that I'm not doing? Because if Dean can run 100 miles at a time, what can I do? And all of a sudden, it's just like I get my creative juices flowing and begin to try new things. So I use it as a confidence booster and a, and a challenge to myself to push harder. Uh, so it's one of my favorite books of all time, for sure. Awesome. Your favorite thing to do in your leisure? Ooh, um, I would say besides running, which I really enjoy, um, I started about two years ago doing woodworking in my garage. And so I'm building things, which I find to be a really nice kind of contrast to my work on the computer all day as I get into my garage and I just kind of get some tools out and I build stuff. Um, I'm not any good at it. I just like doing it. It's a nice, fun hobby. Um, and so maybe one day I'll make it something better. But for a long time, it's just been a fun thing to do to, to kill some time and, and use my creativity in a different way. Now, this is more of a business question. Is there a conference that you highly recommend that those who are entrepreneurs in the digital space should attend? Podcast movement. Uh, Podcast that's a big one. I went to that in Chicago a couple of years ago. I've been to PodFest also. Um, one thing I've, I like about podcasting conferences uh, specifically is that you're hanging out with people who are very clearly doing what you're doing also, but they're all doing it in different ways. And so you learn a whole lot from other people about how to do things differently. And I find that that kind of creative potential is really interesting because you then get to figure out, well, if this guy's doing this and this girl's doing this and I can incorporate half of those ideas into my show, like your quality bar will go up quite a bit. And you network yes. with awesome people who also do what you do. And the, the friendship, you know, kind of pool that grows from there, just like we're doing right now, it's like that kind of thing is just, it's super powerful. I'm already thinking like, okay, maybe I need to get me a boom arm where I can stand up too. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Last business uh, question here. And that is, what do you think is the biggest difference between those who start their podcast and quit and those who start and keep going? You have to have a reason for doing it that connects with you. Um, I mean, a simple example of this, I've been a vegan for 10 years. Most people do not have any interest in being vegan. And I, I've found that that for me, there's one thing about that that's always held true, which is my reason for going to vegan. Like, I have a very specific like reason for that. And that has held true in other aspects of my life as well, is that when the reason is clear, it's almost impossible to stop doing something. If you mm -hmm. are really solid with your rationale, the emotional connection for why you're doing it, then you're going to keep doing it. And if your reason for doing something is just like, well, I saw some other guy doing it and it sounded kind of cool. This guy on the podcast says I should try it. Like, it's just, it's too weak. It has to be a strong personal rationale for it. And when that's in place, then you don't have the excuses anymore. You have this reason, this like very clear, like set of steps, like I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because that's just who I am and what I need to do. And then it becomes a must do and not some optional thing you might consider. Awesome, awesome, awesome interview. Jeff, I want to thank you for joining me for uh, this opportunity and for this interview. Let the people know where they can find you online as well as how they can buy your book, The 5 a.m. Miracle. Sure. JeffSanders.com is my home base website. So that's where you can find the connections, all the things that I have, including the courses. The books links are there as well. Um, both of my books are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and lots of other bookstores as well. And of course, the 5A Miracle podcast is everywhere podcasts are, are found. So 
yeah, in that sense, just uh, look me up on Google. I'm the, the first Jeff Sanders you'll find. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I want to thank each of you for joining me again this week for this episode of Maximize Your Brand with Mark Heath Brayton. Always excited that you join me, and I don't take it for granted that you take time out to listen to the podcast. Before we go, I want to invite you to go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. I always like to read the reviews so that I just am informed of what you think of the show. Also, each episode that is video recorded will be accessible in YouTube and always played live via Facebook. So I ask that you support by sharing and sending to individuals who you believe will find great value out of these episodes. I thank you for joining me again. And just remember this, always shoot for the top because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. Take care.